Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Peach Pod. My name is Kyle Hayes, and I'm your host as usual. And I'm joined on this special edition yet again by Luke Boggs. Luke, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, probably to the surprise of few, we are talking about the sudden and unexpected firing of FBI Director James Comey. So this is something that pretty much no one saw coming, and it's a developing story. So with that, uh, hopefully this will not be completely out of date by the time you're listening to it. But uh, in the Trump era, things move pretty fast. And so uh, what I was hoping that we could do today is kind of just go through this whole story uh, as effectively as possible just so we kind of have the full context for what's going on and what we know now. So let's start back in July of 2016. This is when James Comey said that he was not going to recommend that the FBI press, you know, continue looking into the Hillary Clinton uh, email server case and gave a very political statement saying that while Hillary Clinton was extremely careless, she didn't do anything that was criminal. So this, of course, pissed off all the Republicans and kind of made a lot of Democrats a little bit unhappy, but not totally. And then what you end up having is this long, long, drawn-out time between that July announcement and October, where basically the Republicans beg and beg and beg for James Comey to reopen the uh, Clinton investigation, and he does not. Then what we have happen is our dear friend, uh, one Anthony Winger, the now former husband of Huma Abedin, who was Clinton's basically main aide, he got in trouble for contacting a underage person sexually. They take all of his laptops and they find, oh my God, there's Clinton emails on there. And so... Comey finds this out on October 27th, and one day later, he sends a letter of Congress, which of course leaks to the press, that they have reopened the Clinton investigation looking into these emails. Amazingly, by November 6th, the FBI has actually looked through all these emails and figured out that pretty much nothing is there, and then three days later, Trump is elected president. You then fast forward to where we are now, and James Comey's been fired. A couple key things have happened in the past week or so that make it really interesting that this was the timing in which he was fired. So the first thing was that James Comey had very recently, according to the Washington Post and some other sources, requested more money and resources to look into the Trump campaign's ties to Russia. Additionally, the FBI had uh, began to subpoena Michael Flynn and others related to Flynn's disclosures. And so it does not really seem that this was related as the Trump administration claimed it was to them just feeling like he really did a bad job with the Hillary disclosure, which was almost a year ago it seems like there's something else going on. And that's that's pretty much the long and short of what's been happening with this. So, Kyle, what are your thoughts about uh, James Comey's firing and just this whole situation? Well, my first reaction when I saw this, I sent a message to you, and I, I sent a pretty similar message to some other friends of mine, that I thought that this was like a stupid move by Trump. Um, one of the things that Trump has going for him right now is that he has broad support among Republicans. And so 
that's very important political currency for him. And one of the ways in which he could lose that broad support is to do things that are seen as unpopular and sort of beyond the pale, more so than any of the stuff that he's already done. They are you know, somewhat on the same page on other issues, the legislative agenda, healthcare, things like that. Um, it's kind of a mess, but it is sort of the mess that was expected with a, a president that had never held public office before. If Trump did this in an attempt to block the FBI from continuing or ramping up its investigation of Trump uh, Trump campaign ties to the Russians, then that is a very quick way for him to lose currency with Republicans if it does become clear that he is either trying to obstruct an investigation that would find some sort of an impeachable offense or um, or even just has the appearance of trying to do that. And that's why I was I didn't understand this move from Trump's perspective as in what is he gaining in this moment unless he is dead sure that Comey is going to come up with something in this investigation that is like definitely impeachable. He's definitely out the door. Um, and I don't, I, my gut without any like insider information on this, my gut is that that is not what Comey would ultimately find if he was allowed, you know, full resources and authority to pursue this investigation. And so I don't really know what Trump is doing here unless he is actually covering up or attempting to cover up um, something that is at the level of impeachment. Yeah, and before I go deeper into this specific situation, I think there's one important thing to point out to people because, you know, we're kind of used to Trump firing a lot of people. Like, it's literally how he built his career. And, you know, we've seen Obama fire people and, you know, George W. Bush fire people. But when it comes to FBI directors and comes to the Justice Department, that is supposed to be one of the most, if not the most, independent branch of the government. That basically, once you appoint an attorney general, once you appoint an FBI director, you're you're supposed to be hands-off. And if you don't do that, then the appearance that you are involving yourself in investigations in a way that is improper for a president has been the standard. And so for that reason, there has literally only been one other FBI director that has been fired by a president, and this was William S. Sessions, ironically, you know, the name Sessions being in both of these stories, uh, no relation as far as I'm aware, and he was fired after a pretty long controversy where it was pretty clear that he was abusing his powers as the FBI director, he was acting improperly, uh, President Bill Clinton asked him to step down, and then he refused. And so, you know, with the uh, you know help of his Attorney General Janet Reno, they you know fired him, and you know that was a pretty high bar for them to fire an FBI director. He had to actually pretty much do blatant corrupt things for that to even really become a discussion and then once they did do that that's how they actually got him out so the fact that jeff sessions and the new acting deputy attorney general uh recommended him to be fired for conduct back in july really just doesn't seem to add up to me um what i find really interesting about this is the fact that this 
was one of the few things that it appeared that the Trump administration actually planned a little bit in advance since they had all of these different statements come out simultaneously rather than doing something with no prep at all and having, you know, pretty weird rigging up letters about what they are and not really having a sound legal case. The Deputy Attorney General actually did a pretty thorough report on Comey's activities and how he handled the Clinton investigation, why they thought it was wrong. But if that's the case, I don't see why this didn't happen significantly earlier. Um, Well, the reporting that I read today suggested that this case that was drawn up by the deputy AG started, this process started last week. Right. And that even, I'm not even sure that the deputy AG knew that, I mean, I think he knew he was writing a recommendation that you could only the only possible conclusion you could come out with was that uh, set, that the uh, FBI director was going to be fired. Um, but the actual decision on pulling the trigger on this, I don't think was very well planned out. There were a lot of people in the West Wing and the people in the FBI, and including James Comey himself, found out when this was reported on uh, one of the cable news networks. Yeah, and of course we're you know we are grading on the Trump curve here when we say we act, they actually prepared something. But uh, the other aspect of this story, you know, when I think about this, there's three broad possibilities, kind of three buckets of truth. I think that are possibilities of why this was done. There's bucket one, which we've kind of addressed, which is for some reason, you know, Jeff Sessions and the new a- deputy AG decided that like yeah we should really look into how comey handled this clinton thing and after reviewing it thought he legitimately could not do the job i'm very skeptical on that bucket but it's a bucket bucket two which is the one that i think is actually the most likely though it's probably the most boring which is is that james comey was just not a team player for trump and trump is very interested in surrounding himself with yes men and that people that will go on tv and back up what he wants to have back up and what trump wants people to go on tv and back you know back him up on are he's a great president He's definitely not under investigation about anything with Russia, and his campaign's not. And Barack Obama, the last, you know, the previous president of the United States, definitely wiretapped him. And James Comey has said none of those things, and has pretty much said everything he possibly could on this, on the wiretapping and the investigation front. He's said the exact opposite that Trump has wanted people to say, and said it pretty aggressively. And since Trump only watches the news all day. When he sees James Comey, he sees James Comey saying things he doesn't want people in his administration saying. And so, to me, that seems like a very possible reason why this was done. That they were looking for excuse to replace James Comey with somebody who will not you know, go out there and claim that Barack Obama did not wiretap him. They'll at least say, oh, maybe you did. We don't know. We can't know. Uh, or, you know, they won't talk about the Russian investigation. They'll just waffle on that, too, and not say directly that it's happening. And then there's bucket three, which is the Nixonian bucket, which is this is all part of some master plan cover-up to stall the Russia investigation. And if it is that, then this is just the most desperate example of someone looking incredibly guilty and then acting like someone who's guilty. Because, man, is this not 
a wise decision because really for all intents and purposes the russia story had gotten a lot quieter almost all of the news i've been watching the news i've been reading had been about the american health care act it had been about the possibility of tax reform you know there was some stuff about climate change like i really hadn't heard anything on russia for quite a while and then on top of that the only russia stuff i had heard was all about michael flynn which you know, you could make an argument was just isolated to Michael Flynn. And now all anybody is talking about, about and all anybody is thinking about is Russia. And so I think if that was their strategy, that this would somehow, you know, reduce the pressure on them in regards to uh, the president's campaign's affiliation and coordination with uh a foreign power, then they they kind of failed <laughs> epically on that. Well, I don't know. I would disagree with the the actions in bucket three a little bit. I think that if Trump knows that he did something really bad involving the Russians, um, then he probably at this point, because a, a lot of this did seem like it stemmed from Comey's you know, intention to ramp up the Russia investigation. If he knows that Comey is going to find something, then it does sort of make sense uh, for Trump to neuter that investigation right now and then take his chances with whatever this either the Senate does or some sort of bipartisan commission or independent investigator um, and to just try to spin, you know, any outcome of that as somehow him being persecuted that the facts are wrong, that it's all fake news. I mean, that is, if he knows he did something terrible, then you may as well take your chances with the Senate and impeachment and just trying to win over enough public support to, you know, basically just try to discredit any claim that comes out of that investigation. I think that what is more likely to be true, in my opinion, is that Trump did something shady in a business sense with somebody in Russia or, or something like that, and that that is probably the worst thing that he's guilty of in terms of the Russia collusion. And if that is the case, then even if Comey found that out and reported that out, um, I think that he could still plead his case with Republicans in the Senate and say, you know, eh, this is a little business thing, but, you know, and Comey hasn't been fair to me and he let Clinton off easy and, um, but, you know, we're focusing on the agenda and let, let's get the agenda done. And and I think at that point, enough Republican senators would sort of look the other way and pretend it's not that big a deal. Now that it is paired with what may be an attempted obstruction of justice, even if it's an obstruction of something relatively minor on the impeachment scale, some sort of business or ethical conflict, the fact that it is now paired with an attempt to obstruct justice, if that's what it turns out to be, I think is a really quick way for him to lose political support with the Senate. And I think that's what he's opened himself up to if he has done something less than have Vladimir Putin come to Wisconsin and pull levers and voting booths. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I just think as a political strategy... Uh, you know, Lyndon Johnson had a great line about Herbert Hoover. To paraphrase it a little bit, it is, you know, I'd rather have him pissing outside of the tent, uh, pissing from inside the tent out than from outside the tent in. And so this is what I think he set himself up for. So instead of having James Comey from inside of his government 
requesting more funding and just not giving it to him, he's going to have a situation where Congress, people that are outside of his administration, now are the folks that are going to have to take the league on this because I think there's probably plenty of Republicans who are like, well, James Comey's going to take care of this thing. And if, you know, Trump tries to put up Rudy Giuliani or some, you know, very clear partisan of his, it's pretty clear that this this investigation is for all, you know, <laughs> for all purposes completely dead within the FBI. And it's going to take an outside investigation from a Senate committee or a House committee or an, or an independent prosecutor to handle it. Now, the, the one thing that I would add, I, I saw this discussion on Twitter today from a, a writer at Vox. Um, he went on a, a tweet thread, as they call it in the Twitter world, um, where he laid out the possibility that he sort of got into like a, a psychological evaluation of Trump. And I'm really skeptical of those generally. And I'm skeptical of the length at which this author went to. But but I think that there's sort of a an underlying thing that might be true about this. He makes the case that Trump isn't somebody who connects the implications of different events to, to one another, that he is really closer to a level where he is just reacting to what is in front of him and making the best short-term decision that he can think of. Um, and that he is not, you know, cause some of the reporting that came out of this was that people in the white house were really confused how Democrats could be upset about this because they were the ones who made so much criticism and so much hay over Comey, particularly in the last week with this thing that Nate Silver brought up about his assessment that the Comey letter might have cost Clinton the election and so Trump's folks are like, well, how could they be mad? They hate Comey too. And it just doesn't register with any of them, particularly Trump, that this you know could be bigger than just their sort of narrow feelings about Comey. And so it, so he raises this possibility that, that Trump is not connecting things one, it, one with the other. He's just reacting to what's right in front of him and that that is almost more dangerous um, I think the extension of that when you get into deeper into this psychological analysis stuff, I'm not a fan of that. But I, I do think that there's a lot of merit in the idea that he is not some maniacal planner. Um, and it's the only way that I can get to an explanation of like, I can understand the emotional knee jerk reaction to fire Comey right away and to have your deputy AAG write up a reason and it doesn't really matter what the reason is. It makes sense in that nature but it doesn't make sense if there's any sort of strategic thought or planning into this idea yeah i mean supporting evidence of that as i saw several uh, news outlets reporting that chuck schumer was very much so angry at trump when he called uh you know called him up and said that he was going to fire comey and that um schumer's reaction surprised donald trump and that doesn't surprise me at all that that was surprising to him so do you think do you think that we're in a constitutional crisis? I saw that word get thrown around a lot. There was a senator from Hawaii who tweeted that. I mean, do you think that we are uh, potentially looking over the edge of the cliff at the fall of American democracy here? Only because the Republican Party continuously decides to put tax reform in ahead of country. I mean, we're not in a situation where Congress has no way to handle this situation. I mean... If Hillary Clinton had done this, it would not have been a constitutional crisis. It would have been Republicans 
even before this action, but definitely if she had taken this action, they would just start impeachment hearings. No questions asked. They have the ability to do it. They are making a conscious choice to not investigate him because they want tax reform. They want to have the Affordable Care Act repealed. And so I don't really think it is a constitutional crisis because it's 100% in their power to solve this problem. They are just making a conscious choice to not do it. What I think this is, is that let's... Not making predictions here because, you know, it's too hard to predict anything these days. But let's just say hypothetically, Donald Trump is totally guilty. He's done something impeachable, whether it's with his campaign or with his businesses. He's done something wrong. So let's say that's true. And that he knew that if James Comey kept looking, he would find something. What I think this represents is what some people have called the turn. This is something that in a scandal... It's the decision that's sort of the point of no return, that once you make that decision, everything else is sort of set in stone, and you're going to have to ride this thing out to the end, and there's no way to avoid eventual impeachment. That's what I think this is. That I think if we're looking back on this situation 10 years from now, and we're like, what is the moment that Donald Trump sealed his fate? It's probably this one. Because... It does seem clear that the Senate is pretty unhappy about this decision. They're having James Comey come speak next week before the uh, before Richard Burr's committee. So, did he confirm? I know they asked Comey to come. Did Comey confirm that he was attending? As of this moment, I do not think he has, but my, maybe by the time people are listening, he probably will have because I think... Well, it's do we think interest. that he's going to, though? I sort of... I don't know. I... I'm not. I, well, I, I mean, don't think it's the okay. same that it'll come. What is the argument that if he knows Trump is doing things that he shouldn't have done, and that he was on to something, and that he requested more money, and that in response to that they fired him? What is the argument for James Comey, who has already proven that one, he is not really that big of a fan of FBI protocols, besides how much he says he is, because that's what the Clinton, both of the Clinton letters prove that, but both of Clinton's statements rather prove that. Because you had the first one in July where he's like, yeah, we're not going to prosecute her, but man, was she stupid. And I can't even begin to say how stupid this was and how careless it was. Like, that is beyond the pale. Then you have the other letter where the FBI has an extremely strict policy that goes back for a really long time that they do not interfere in elections. Doesn't matter. They just don't do it. And he had to have known that him putting out that statement would affect the election more than it wouldn't affect it. And, I mean, that's... It's common sense. And so, in a lot of ways, there's even an argument that Trump fired this guy because he's a loose cannon, and they have no idea what he would do. And that's part of the reason why I think Democrats, in particular were so unhappy about this firing because James Comey does as James Comey does. And it would have been pretty clear to everybody that if something was actually there, that James Comey would have come forward with it. So at this point, I mean, I would literally be shocked, and I'm very rarely shocked these days, if he does not come before that committee after getting fired. Now, he might not say anything explosive, but I would be very surprised if he just like, yeah, not going to come. 
Uh, the funny thing is I, I would be a little surprised if he does go testify because this is an investigation that he allegedly, at least reportedly, wanted to expand. And any comment that he makes now you know, could conceivably hinder that investigation going forward. Um, you know, depending on what stage of information gathering they're in and and uh, what people actually think the outcome might be. Um, I mean, he doesn't you know, have to. It doesn't have to be publicly. I mean, he can still privately meet with the committee. I thought he's I thought originally, though, that he was testifying in a public hearing. Now, the request that Richard Senator Richard Burr did was that, yes. But I'm just saying, if that is a concern, then make a counteroffer. Say, I'll come privately and talk to you guys. Well, and that I wouldn't be surprised if he, he did that. Um, I don't know. He also may just be like, you know, screw this. I don't, you know, want to deal with this anymore at all. I mean, I don't know. They were pursuing some Russia leads with Trump during the election, and he didn't bend over backwards to you know, to tell the public about that. So I don't, I don't know that. Well, I, I will say for Trump, if you buy into his reasoning, it actually makes sense why he did not um, do that, which for those of you who don't know, basically what James Comey's reasoning was, as I was mentioning, there's that long period from July until October where he was like, there is no claim investigation. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. And so he had been on the record hundreds of times basically saying there's nothing here there's no investigation the investigation's over and then if they opened it back up then he kind of felt like okay i've spent like the past several months saying that there's no clinton investigation and right now there is and so it would be intellectually dishonest for me to wait and see if something comes out of this because there's currently a clinton investigation going on Whereas he was never really asked in a public setting under oath in the same way at the same amount of, you know, many, many times about the Trumpet investigation. Now, I obviously think if you're going to disclose the Clinton email thing, you're going to, you need to disclose the Trump thing, but that's a whole different debate. Let's uh, wrap this up because we've given our listeners a lot of homework this week. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, in closing, what the Democratic response should be to this. Democrats, they don't control either chamber of the Congress, uh, but they do have some procedural tricks that they can use. Uh, but this also may not be the you know most fruitful Trump resistance moment for them to pursue. Uh, what do you think Democrats should do um, to push Trump on this or, or switch the narrative to other things? I mean, I think what they need to do is to just not let them get away with this. So there's a couple options. Part of it's up in the air because Trump has not named a replacement to James Comey. So if, you know, Trump nominates someone who everyone genuinely believes would actually be a good FBI director and, you know, be someone that keeps their head down and investigates everything like they're supposed to, then that's a very different calculus than if he picks, like, Rudy Giuliani. Because if he picks Rudy Giuliani, then we need to, like, burn the Senate down and just say that's ridiculous and, you know, fight that really, really hard. I think at the end of the day, though, what they need to do is to make sure that this investigation does not die. From everything that I've heard, Mark Warner, who is the ranking member on Richard Burr's committee, 
has a lot of faith in the investigation that Burr is doing. And the Senate seems to have faith in their investigation. And as long as that continues, I think really the most sound thing for them to do in the long term is keep that relationship strong and keep paying a lot of attention to the work that committee's doing and make sure that like they keep the fire going and they keep investigating it. If if that seems to be at risk, then they're going to have to raise the stakes significantly and use all of the powers of the Senate that they can muster to prevent them from shutting this investigation down because that pretty much seems to be the only avenue that's left for Democrats to use. What I hope is true, which is unrelated to the Democrats, is I hope that Republicans look at this and take a pretty deep breath and consider uh, how history is going to remember them in this moment and which side of history <laughs> they'd like to be on because it's pretty clear which direction we're going in and you know there's going to be a lot of people that are not on not you know having very kind footnotes in history because as we've already seen uh, we have James Comey gets two big footnotes in history now, officially. Uh, the shortest-serving FBI director and the only FBI director to throw an American election. So that's how he's going to be remembered. So uh, a lot of Republicans have pretty big opportunities to either go down in history in a pretty negative way, like Comey's going to go, or, as SNL has already suggested, be the hero that stops Trump and get a TV movie made after them. Um, I'll just close with this. I, I think that the Russia stuff causes a certain part of uh, either the, the resistance movement or progressives or I think particularly among Clinton folks. Um, this kind of stuff feels like it causes them to hyperventilate and get really excited about, you know, the, the Nixon moment is coming. The Saturday Night Massacre is here. I think that there's actually some pretty significant downside risk to having this issue define the opposition to Trump, if it turns out that Trump did something shady, maybe a little bit illegal, probably with an intention to make some money or swindle some some Russian businessmen or something. But if he did something less than, uh, you know, deliberately attempting to, uh, you know, throw an American election to himself by colluding with a, a foreign power. Um, and I, I think that's true because well, l- let me interrupt you there, because there, here's my quick question. I would, agree, I think I would agree with you, but doesn't firing James Comey just take that out completely? Because, you know, it's a cliche, and I disagree with it a lot of times, but in this one case, I think it might be true. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. So, like, let's say Trump did some small thing that was illegal, but then he fires James Comey because he thinks he's going to figure that out. Is that not to the same scale as if he had rigged the election with Russia. No, I think it I think it could be on a similar scale, but I don't think that it's going to carry the political weight that I think some of the other downsides to the Trump administration do. You know, Republicans have not wanted to hold him to account for anything yet, and short of him throwing an election, I don't I don't think they're going to really want to. And to really erode at Trump's support, you have to get at the people who are his most passionate supporters. And they, particularly because of the distrust in the media that Trump has sowed and 
and how the media has been fragmented into different bubbles, those people are never going to believe that Trump did anything wrong related to Russia, even if like a contract that had uh, you know illegal details in it that was signed by Trump and Putin himself. Um, they're going to believe that that's fake news. The Russia thing, sort of like the criticisms criticisms of Trump's character that that Clinton tried to use to take him down. That stuff just all feels unfair and political, and I don't think his people are ever going to believe it. But being kicked off of their health care, particularly if they also see rich people getting a tax break, other sort of economic related issues, the the fact that he is going to fail to reignite the coal industry and and you know bring jobs all across the Rust Belt, those kinds of things to me sort of lend themselves to the chance that people will just get tired of him, think he's a crazy sideshow who can do nothing good for them. Whereas if you try to define Trump as somebody who is you know, playing with fire with the Constitution and Russia, I just think his people aren't going to believe it. Um, and so it probably would hurt his reelection, but it's not going to be enough incentive for Republicans to impeach him. Yeah, well, let, let me agree with you there, and then I think we can actually wrap this up. Uh, I would never, ever suggest that the, the rushing investigations be a significant campaign strategy because it's not a campaign strategy and it's not political. This is potentially something very, very troubling and potentially treasonous. And that is the only frame that I think this should ever take. And if a major Democratic Party candidate for president makes this the centerpiece of their campaign, then we're going to have four more years of Trump because at the end of the day, this is a legal issue. This is a constitutional issue. It's not a partisan issue. And I very much so look forward to the day where Republicans wake up and realize that and want to be part of that rather than obstruct that because it's not worth it to tie yourself to this guy if any of this stuff is true and i think that's a good point to wrap on um so you will hear this along with some other stuff from us this week there's a lot on so the docket, and we just couldn't resist jumping in with a little special on the comey thing um so you'll hear from us in regular episodes and we've got um, a couple of conversations that we're going to share with you this week and into next week. Um, so we look forward to talking to you more and uh, we will talk to you later. Bye guys. That's our show for the week. If you like what you heard, you can share the show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. It really helps other people find our show. Our interns this week are Alana Pierce and Courtney Clark. And we will talk to you next week. Take care y'all.